The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Mike'sArchery.com. They're a one-stop shop for virtually everything archery, bow hunting, and for your next outdoor adventure. Mike's Archery has been at the top of the archery game for over 50 years, and they want to give listeners of the Redneck Tech Podcast 10% off their entire online store using the code REDNECK10, all one word. Just put the code in before you check out, and your boys will hook you up. The guys at Mike's have always been good to us, and now they can be good to you too. Visit mikesarchery.com and get your gear now. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? I don't know. There's a full conversation going on. I'm trying to run the board. I'm trying to get the podcast going, and y'all are just having a full conversation without me, and I just completely ignored you all. So can you fill me in on what you are just talking about? Yeah, well, you threatened me. <laughs> and then, Fair. And then I pulled out my Leatherman as a show of force. N- a knife. You pulled out a knife. A knife on the Leatherman as a show of force to be like, look, <laughs> Keegan, you want, Keegan if has you my would back. like to tussle, if you would like to tussle, we'll tussle. Keegan had your back. With a bone saw from yeah. the Leatherman. Clay, Clay suggested that. We don't that mess around on this side of the table. That we could, we could go with a more distant approach with Keegan and just use a can of spray cheese to disable him. <laughs> That's pretty good. And then, and then That's I was pretty like, good. And then I was like, wait, we could also take the same approach with you. If I filled a spritzer with unsweet tea, I think it would be the same as spraying holy water at a vampire. <laughs> or a cat on a cat. Here's, the, here's the thing I just Spray thought you with of. Some unsweet tea and all of a sudden you'd be like... Both ah. of you, both of you, had weapons out in an aggressive manner on video, and it's now live. Like, are we gonna get flagged for that? I don't think they know that that's a weapon. <laughs> well, you did hold it like this, like you were going to murder me. Well, you, d- you got your fists. I out. never. Are your fists a weapon? Or no? more so than your knife, probably. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to the cage. <laughs> I don't know if anything we're gonna get flagged for the straw that Clay held up. <laughs> so they're not gonna view a real thing as something getting flagged. So I'd love to see um, somebody dismembered with a straw. That would take some <laughs> ridiculous talent. So episode one fifty seven. This is gonna be a debrief on the class that we just held last week um, here at here in Delonega at the office. Redneck, Redneck Tech Podcast Production Class. Um, there's so much to go over, and we don't have just under an hour to be able to go over it just because um, I have to leave. Um, if I have to leave and y'all guys want to continue, that's perfectly fine with me. But I've got to leave at like 2.30, I think. We'll do it for the people. We'll do it for the people. Um, I'll start with my perspective, and, and maybe this is this is the, the largest, longest class we've ever had. Um, we had more people involved. Obviously, we had Jason here cooking. So if there's very if there if you never even care about coming to class, it's worth the price of admission to come. Just be a with, good old, it's just a good time. Be in the presence of Jason Ellsworth. Um, and then thirdly, um, it was the longest class we've ever done. We started on Wednesday, didn't finish till Sunday, and I still feel like we could have needed more time. Another day. Yeah, we seriously really could have had another day. To go Monday through like Saturday. Like Saturday night. Like, like arrive like a Monday night or something? Yeah. That's a long class. Or sh- like, or do it like a hunt, show up a Sunday and leave a Saturday morning, something like that. Like oh, wow. Well, five days. Just finding five or a whole, essentially a whole week in our schedule that well, we could do. It right. right now. You just do it around August 4th next year. See, but we can plan it this far in advance, but 
we have stuff just randomly come up. Yeah, but if it's already Sometimes. in the calendar, well, I want to speak. I want to speak directly to Devin right now because he just got on the live. Devin, you missed out, buddy. You one hundred percent missed out on this. This is, like I said in, in the before we went live, uh, or when we went on the audio version of the podcast. Probably my favorite one we've done. Sorry, Travis. Um, sorry, Brian. We do love you. MikeSarchery.com. Redneck 10. 10% off. Um, we love you guys. But we had an absolute blast on this. We stayed up till midnight, 1 o'clock every night. I actually slept in the office one night. I'm pretty sure Keegan slept here at least one night, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still don't feel like I'm. here last night, so that's oh, really? not that weird. Well, I don't feel like I've caught up on sleep yet. Um it was a really, really good time, and, you know, obviously the food was awesome. Um, I think what made this class really fun for this is the first time we've never had a beginner. Like, we started with intermediate, and then we had two advanced classes, which was really fun for us because, obviously, the you know, the more intermediate advanced level stuff stuff that we like to teach. And so we got we got our full fill of that. So um, We still like you beginners. We do. Yeah, we do. And we we still still want you. Yeah, we still like you and want to teach you. segregating in this family. But, um, yeah, my take on the whole thing was only thing I wanted to change was we had more time. And I just feel like that every time. I feel like we could have never gotten done what we did in a three, two and a half day class. No. We barely got it done burning the midnight oil four and a half day class. So I do like that we were able to actually get some final products done, though. Yeah, I think, I think everybody I think everybody fi- finished everybody product. finished their product, mm-hmm. and there's some really solid stuff come out of. F- to, oh, all right, so we talked about this, and we're gonna kind of. I kind of think we should go through everybody in the class and talk about like how they came in, and how they left, because we had that, uh, right, Clay. That can, seems off. That seems like awfully calling people out. <laughs> no, I well, I think everybody was a very positive. I don't yeah, think I there's know. anybody. You know, I don't Derek's think there's anything. Kinda, well, Derek, and while it's yeah. Derek, um, first of all, Clay had the intermediates, and they they sang Clay's praises, and they said he did a really good job. Like, so has sure. every other previous class that I've had. So I'm a little surprised by that, honestly. <laughs> I mean, he was having to text me like under the table the answers oh. to some of those questions. <laughs> you know, he would like sneak off and be like, "Hey, Ryer, they're asking about how to edit. Can you tell me about that?" <laughs> you, we are going to see violence here in just no. a minute. I'm oh. just kidding. Clay didn't ask me a thing. But Clay had the. I think if we had to give out a sandbagger award, it came from his class. I think you have to explain. No, not you. It was so sandbagger award is somebody that comes in and says they don't know much, and then they leave, and they're. I was gonna say, how did I sandbag? I went from beginners to intermediate. (laughs) No, I think I think that Forrest from Brigara and DJ, which is from here in Dahlonega, both came in and said they knew nothing, and both of them left with a finished product video. And I think they were sandbagging. I think they came in and said they knew less than they did. And they come out with a full, well-done video. Or they're just like the fastest learners ever. And um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, and like Randy. Yeah. Randy said she had never opened Premiere in her life. And with a virtually brand new camera to her. Yeah. and She got it like the day before she got here, right? Yeah. 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 That was and her made upgrade. A, made a full-blown four-minute video of Jason cooking yeah. the whole weekend. Like she didn't. It, most people Which did something that they shot. Made Jason cry. Yeah, because it was that. Are good. you? Are you? Full? I sound. I sound quiet to myself. You do sound quiet. Turning you up. Anyway, like. Turn it up some. Everybody else in the class filmed the one day and edited the next, where she actually had two different days of shooting and a day of editing. Yeah. So hers was actually sped up even more. Right. She. Oh, I mean, 
and this is not a bad thing, she overshot her video a lot, which is usually right. it's the complete opposite. Right. Usually people undershoot because they don't know. And I just walked her through, like, and she was out there walking around. I'm like, hey, break this thing down, wide, medium, tight. Start moving around a circle, wide, medium, tight, move around a circle. And, man, she had so much stuff that she didn't use. That's where Justin and Bill kind of saw how important the shooting side of it was, where they had, I don't know, probably 150 clips between the two of them, but they'd have the same clip four or five times. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, you had you technically shot enough, but there was those four clips didn't have any variety to them. How do you think the intermediate class overall, like, I, so the way we broke down each class, so we had intermediates in advance. So I took an advance, Ryder took an advance, Clay took an intermediate, and uh, Keegan ran around just shooting content the whole time. Um, essentially what we did the first day, half the first day, a little over the half the first day for Ryder and I, is we have what we call our core curriculum, and we kind of had a PowerPoint, and we broke down what we thought people should know and then what, what we were going to get into and expand on. Um, how do you th- how did that go for intermediates? Like, did they were they receptive to that? Did they like it? Did they not like it? I think what helped them was so we went and shot went through an entire day of raw footage for the crush. Mm-hmm. And the reason I did the crush is because we obviously usually shoot more for the crush. And then I broke down why I did this, what purpose it had, like sequencing things because mm-hmm. the whole point of the intermediate classes your goal is to make a one minute video with some type of story it doesn't have to have talking or anything just a one minute video a story and i think taking that and then we took after that we went into and broke down an edit of a spy point showing them like all right so you saw all those cutaways that we did or this five shot sequence of getting to somewhere well this is what it looks like in an edit and how it overlays in an edit and mm-hmm. i think that's where it clicked where if I just showed them the edit or just showed them the raw footage, they'd be like, okay, I understand. But then being able to see it raw and then edited was like, oh, okay, that's how the timing goes. That's how. Yeah. And I think that's what helped them a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the that was a light bulb that went off for me was, you know, seeing a bunch of clips and then seeing those clips put into a sequence is like, oh, that's why you shot well, that. And another thing I would do is like, so on Billy's Hunt, it's a – the clip where the turkey gets killed like two and a half minutes mm-hmm. and in the edit it's like 45 seconds mm-hmm. and literally showing them I would hide because obviously we have like the kill shot in a clip and then above that's the b-roll that mm-hmm. segments it and I literally just disabled the clip that has all the cutaways and showed them that yeah I can cut this down as short as I want it but if I don't have any of that b-roll all this is just jump cuts mm-hmm. and they're like oh and then we went through an edit like this talking sequence right here, the one behind the pelican before they shot the gator with the pelican up on the yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah. This is a four-minute conversation. It's a minute and a half in the edit because I literally had three shots of the pelican. Spy Point it. is a really good one to break down because it's not like a crazy advanced shoot, but there's always Low. a lot of stuff we have to trim fat and cut right. down. And Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's a, And that's a really good level for an intermediate to see. I think taking that raw clip and being like, all right, this entire clip raw was four minutes and being able to take it. Now, I was like, we had two shooters, Mm -hmm. which helped, but all that is is changing angle. It's still the same talking. With three B-roll clips of a Pelican and Brian getting in a truck, we cut it down to a minute and a half. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped a lot, a lot. Yeah, and just understanding the flow and sequencing of those things, it makes makes a big difference. Right. Um, It's amazing how much information that if somebody just listened to this podcast and actually like applied it to their yeah. life, like well, 
Everybody came to this class, and we're about to just tell them everything that we taught them. I want to give kudos. I want to give kudos to not only you because I think you did a really good job. Every time I come by your class, like you were really diving, but your PowerPoint was extremely thorough. Like (laughs) I sat there like four hours in. I'm like, wow, there's a lot in this, which it was really good stuff. I will say I, I would have never thought of half that stuff to put in a PowerPoint. So yes, I didn't get quote formal college training <laughs> on like video production, but the th- three thousand level video class I took my junior year in film school, <laughs> not film school, they taught you how to turn the camera on and put the SD card in the camera in a junior <laughs> level class. And you covered more of that in four hours than they did an entire semester. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't go to film school. Craps for the birds. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thank you. I appreciate. I saw the your, word. I saw your. Hold on, let me think of the best word for this. I saw your. He still hasn't sent me this PowerPoint. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'm thinking. There's not enough storage. Your madness. Cell. I saw your madness come out in that PowerPoint in the best way. You in the best way. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> there was multiple so. students that really were like, I really appreciated the PowerPoint. Now, was it? Did we send that to them? No, but we can. If you get, if y'all want. If y'all want it, um, y'all have my number. Text me. I'll It'll send be you a link. $1 million. Dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's an upcharge. Just yeah. like the BMW heated seats. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's not. It's free. I'll send it to you. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of um, appreciate the authentic nice words. That, well, the, that, that there is, was some nice. madness that went into that. Listen, let's be honest. There's madness that goes into all my I things. know. That's what I'm saying. That's... Part of that was a compliment. It wasn't. Yeah, no, no, I know, I know. I'm a little, I'm a little mad. I'm like a mad scientist. But I'm gonna start showing up with like hair like this and a lab. I'm gonna get a lab coat and sit in my editing desk. If I have to get coat. you a therapist, then it's no longer madness. It's institutionalized. <laughs> no, that's only if they put me somewhere. <laughs> well, this is somewhere. Um, Three of us will physically restrain you <laughs> and put like, you somewhere. The, the things that he covered in his pod in his PowerPoint were very, very thorough. But I don't, I haven't seen it. But I would assume. 90% of that we've covered some point on the podcast, but being here and being able to talk about it and then see it yeah. is where I think really helps people. Like, well, we just talked about framing and sequencing yeah. in my group, but people hearing it on the podcast, like Justin has listened to a lot of the podcast. He's like, Hey, I've heard you talk about this, but can you show me? Mm-hmm. And he, him being able to hear it and see it at the same time is where I think where you get the value. Well, from the I think, I think that what Ryder did in his, in his was he got to talk a lot about theory and the psychological aspect of things and how to make people feel and how to do a better job of storytelling and how you can manipulate things on camera and with your framing and with your music choice and with your sound design that make people feel a certain way. And then why do we want to make them feel that way? And I think that was the thing that when I I remember the light bulb that went off for me for that was when I was in high school, I was taking an English class and the basketball coach was the English teacher. And I'm thinking, this is going to be a gravy class. He broke down movies all the time. He broke down movies. Have I told this story? Uh, no, oh, but I sorry. had to, I took film I took film studies and we did the same thing. See, oh, see, I would love to I would love to take a, like a continuing education class like that. But he broke down a couple of movies right off. Yeah, and showed what and showed like what imagery was and what leading lines were and like he and I'm like now I see them all the time. We could do uh, that. I know we could do that. World. Huh? Whole new world. Fantastic point of view. Okay, stop singing. 
Um, you got extra cross-eyed when you started saying that because <laughs> I was looking at him <laughs> over the bridge over the of my nose. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, those are the types of things that, for me, that made me interested in like, that's how you really dive into the subconscious. Um, and that's where you get, and, and we don't have the opportunity in the outdoor space to do that as often as we'd like. We try and find ways and we try and create projects and situations where we can but at the end of the day, there are ways that you can do similar things filming hunts. There's You can make people feel a certain way for certain reasons. There's been heartfelt hunting stories told before. There's been funny hunting st- stories told before. We even talked about how hard comedy is to produce. It's very, very, very hard. Um, but I just, I think that was, that was, uh, and you like broke down terms. Like if you hear us say, well, can you do this? You know, understanding what that term means. Because some people will hear a term and not know what it means. I thought that was really good. And I think they got a lot out of it. I mean, I got a lot out of it. It was very, very long. I think we should have broken it down to where it, because it was so much information. Yeah. I think that was the one thing that first day is like literally set the whole first day aside just to go over the PowerPoint. Because, I mean, well, there's so we much the to dive. Yeah. I had footage examples mm-hmm. and things. Um, we kind of had to gloss over some places where I would have liked to have. Um, spent a little bit more time and been able to show um, some different uh, examples. Like I would have liked to have gone through, like Clay did, a day of shooting. Um, I had some interviews that I wanted to. We need to be taking notes. Well, we can, I, we can always go back and listen to yeah. this podcast, but there's some I things some I would like to do different. That, yeah. that I wanted to play through, like in their entirety, so that like in the field stuff where people could actually hear me producing. Mm-hmm. Um, and producing more than just the who, what, when, where, why, and whether. And I think um, when I formulated my PowerPoint and kind of my entire approach to this class, um, I, I wanted to – I love talking about the mechanics of editing, but I think at the advanced level, um, the mechanics are something that you can – that you either have a hold of um, or you can – you've got enough skills to YouTube or ask somebody about how do I do this specific thing? Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about that because I think that the, it, the more important skill sets to start developing as uh, an advanced producer and editor is some of the more intrinsic story things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I did it basically to where, um, you you get either a call from a client or a show all the way to delivery and how we and I approach that entire process from fleshing out the needs of the client to figuring out um, what you want to shoot and coming up with an idea and then taking that idea and pre-producing it um, to get, give you like the shot list and stuff and not just pre-producing like, okay, we need to shoot this, this, and this, but... Um, why do we want to shoot these things? What kind of style should we be going for? Uh, more specifics on, you know, what's the ultimate goal and how can we make everything that we're shooting um, road towards that ultimate goal? And then going and shooting it, walking through that entire process, and then <coughs> editing something to that goal. Yeah. And um, I think I think at an advanced level that, that uh, is very, very important because that's, that is... Uh, a, um, you know, I guess you could call this a laboratory setting of sorts, right? I mean, it's a safe space to kind of just 
try something out on a very on a smaller scale. I don't think it's a safe space begin based on the beginning of our podcast. Sure. <laughs> I yeah, I mean it's a safer space. It's safer ideas. Um, it's not physically safe. No. Uh yeah, sometimes I do an edit that Caleb doesn't like and he he just punches me in the back of the head. <laughs> you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> like he, I you know, I might get I fired gave him for this. Cross eye. Yeah, I was about to say left I, hook. I, yeah. One bad one. That's all it takes. So watch you out, guys. You fixed that edit. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Caleb. I rule with an that. iron fist around here. <laughs> um, he just takes the iron fist off for podcast. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's more funny if people actually knew how we operated. Around. Yeah. yeah. There's actually a sign in the back that makes them laugh every time we laugh because they are scared to death of me. <laughs> Which one? There's a, there's oh, a neon sign oh, that lights yeah, up. Yeah, it's like I just hit a button under the like table. like, laugh comes. now or get punched. <laughs> <laughs> laugh now. Like when you're like an American's got talent, yeah. they come back from commercial clap. and it's like clap. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> clap and it's like silence. Silence. Laugh now. <laughs> Everybody, ah. Oh. Tell me I do things well. <laughs> <laughs> Inflate my ego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, and and so I think that. Um, can we get a make fun of Ryer button? Yeah. You need a button for that? Well, you guys don't fun. do it enough? Well, it'd just be like here, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll press it sometimes. Hell. What do you think What do you think some of the big takeaways from your class was? What was some of your feedback? So, in the same lines of me saying it was a laboratory, it, like this is kind of a, a experimental space, and in any, in any experiment, you want to try to replicate the conditions as best that you can um, of whatever real-world thing you're trying to test. And honestly, I think... Um, with my group, they they ran into a lot of the same things that we often run into um, and had to operate within kind of the same constraints and stresses and pressures that we often have to operate in. And I, I was really happy about that because I think that teaches a lot more than anything else. Um, they had to come up with an idea, which they did, um, <clears throat> and then come up with kind of a, a theme to the idea. And not only were they coming up with an idea, they were coming up with a, uh, a human interest story. And I think any of us who have told a human interest story know that you can go into that human interest story with an idea of the story you want to tell, um, but there's a lot of factors that, that really affect whether or not you can tell that story. Mm. Um, because people are, at the end of the day, humans, and humans are full of um, variables. And, and yeah. you may go into it thinking, hey, I want to tell this story, and that person may clam up and not give you that story. Or you find an even or better story. Or you find a different story. Yeah. Or there's technical or time restraints that don't allow you to tell the story you had originally thought. Um, and so they came up with the idea. They uh, actually had like a pre-interview with Keegan. Um, because they're smart. Like, they were like, oh, we, we should... We want to tell this story about Keegan. I said, okay, well, you should why go. Ke- I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't talk to Keegan, but whatever. Okay. You know, they, they decided, you know. Just um, bottom of the barrel stuff. <laughs> well, they wanted the easiest thing that they could do, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so they come up with this idea. They want to tell this story about Keegan. And I, you know, present them with a couple of options. Not Not necessarily giving them an idea, but saying, hey, you could take it this way or this way or this way. But really, maybe you should talk to Keegan and, and see... Um, kind of kind of get a feel for it, right? Like you would do if you had any other person you wanted to do a human interest story. Like you would try to get to know them um, and and understand uh, a little bit more about them and their life so that you could figure out what that story is. So they interviewed Keegan. Um, 
they came back and started flushing through ideas and they came up with one um, and then kind of pre-produced it and produced um, like a, a shot list and a storyline and a feel guide and all these things. And then uh, the plan was to get to work shooting it the next day. Well, um, as soon as they started on that plan, everything started derailing, which was, I that happens every time. Oh, yeah, all they, the time. They wanted to shoot some stuff in the morning, um, but they couldn't because... Uh, we were also trying to get a lot done in a very short amount right, of time. Right, but that we always are, yeah, right? Every truth. single project yeah. that we do, we're trying to get more done in, in less time than it should take. Yeah. Um, and so they the first thing they ran into was they, they couldn't shoot in the morning because one of the guys needed to be talent for one of the other crews. So, okay, they lose a half a morning of shooting. Um, then we, we go to the interview and we do the interview and they have to figure out how to set that all up and, and make it cohesive. Um, I think the interview and you can ask Keegan was a really good learning experience. Um, because see, it sounds fine in my ears. I can't get it any closer. It's better now. I think it's, this angle there you think it's i need to pull it out like this yeah like that Is yeah that, oh okay um so we set up the interview and then um i had Derek kind of lead the interview and then he kind of got to a place where he was like okay i'm out of questions and so i kind of stepped in and started interviewing keegan and really trying to show them how to in a human interest story like really dive in and how to ask guide. some of the yeah. questions and get the answers yeah. and, and do that sort of stuff. And I know Derek said that um, it was really helpful for him to watch that. Um, and it is a skill. I told him, I said, look, it's a, you don't just get good at interviewing people. It's a skill. And trying to find those storylines is, is something that takes practice and experience at doing, but you know, it's, you also can develop that skill. It's mm -hmm. not hard. Joe Rubin's um, probably the best at it. Right. Um, so we did that. And then immediately we ran into a problem with uh, we knew the shooting schedule was becoming compressed and they had a scene that was supposed to be shot in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, but it was four o'clock in the afternoon. And so we could have either tried to shoot it in a way that would have felt dark and then saved some stuff or saved it for the morning or whatever it was. Um, but we ended up going, well, we can tell the same story and just kind of shift things around. So instead of it being him leaving for fishing, he's coming back from fishing mm -hmm. to get his camera case. And so we had to basically rewrite the entire scene on the spot and shoot it. And then we went out to go film the fishing, which was the plan, so that we could have the entire next day to edit. And uh, we got called back. So they weren't able to shoot the fishing in the evening like they had planned on. So they had, in the day of shooting, only been able to shoot like maybe a third of what they really needed. Mm -hmm. um, and so then they came back and started going through selects and had to kind of um, go out and shoot the next morning. And then after they had pulled selects, the <clears throat> the storyline that had been pulled from the selects was different than the uh, storyline that was originally uh, planned to shoot uh, or that they had been shooting too. And so... Uh, at that point, they then had to pivot from the original storyline and figure out, okay, how do we make this new storyline work um, with the footage that we have and with the things that we have because we don't have time to rearrange that entire storyline. Lots of learning to be flexible and go with the right. flows. And so then they actually had to throw out the entire scene that we had 
shot the day before because it didn't fit within the new storyline. Yeah. So teaching people how to, like, you, doesn't matter how long something took or how good it was. If it doesn't, it doesn't fit, it doesn't really, fit. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Yeah. You know, not to be precious with your stuff. And then um, pivoting, they had to shoot some additional content. Um, they had to kind of divide and conquer and then and then make something work. Yeah. And I think that it was a great lesson on, like you said, being flexible. Um, and I think that in the end, the storyline being a little different from what the, they had planned on was really an eye-opener as to how important it is to keep that like light at the end of the tunnel at the top of your mind when you're shooting and editing. Yeah. And always referring back to it with every single decision that you make because you may just accidentally veer off course because you're just not paying that much attention to it. Yeah. And all of a sudden you come to a point and you're like, oh, this isn't the story that I wanted to tell, mm-hmm. which is fine. But you also, if you come to the point where you're telling a different story, um, you want to arrive there on your own decisions. You don't want to accidentally arrive there. Yeah. Right? If you find a new story or you think this is a better story or technical constraints push you towards a different story direction, um, you want to be able to recognize that, see it's happening, and go affirmatively, yes, we are going to now go in this direction, and then and then change the goalposts, mm-hmm. right? But you don't want to just suddenly get to the end of something and go, oh, we're way off, and I, I, I can't fix it now yeah, and have to make something work. Yeah, um, And I think I was super stoked that that entire thing – uh, happened that they were subjected to kind of some of the typical pressures and constraints that we are. Um, and they also got to experience, you know, working in a team and really how, um, how it can be difficult for, uh, a bunch of people with different creative visions to really come together and work together on something. Mm-hmm. And, and, agree. It's, and, it, and it's something that, you know, we, we all have creative, uh, differences all oh, the time. Oh, You disagree all the time. Um, and we have creative differences with our clients and mm, all that stuff. All the time. But if you operate in this space, that's normal, and you have to understand how to navigate and and work inside of that environment. And I think that that was another really uh, critical thing that was learned. Yeah, I think they learned so much. So, Keegan, you have been to the editing class before you started working here. Um what did you notice from this class? Like, what do you? What was your takeaways? You have anybody come talk to you since you were kind of a fly on the wall for a lot of it? Kind of, what was your take on everything? I don't know. It was like the big one was the whole like class dynamic was very different. Like everything was very like as a group, like a lot more cohesive than mm-hmm. like the editing class was. Mm-hmm. Like even just like the friendships and stuff that were made. That oh yeah, crazy friendships made already. Yeah, like. That was there was some of that in the editing class, but for whatever reason, it was just such a really good dynamic group of people that all of a sudden everybody just like meshed and became like one group of yeah. people. All of a sudden, it was really cool too because like DJ gave us essentially the keys to the kingdom over there at his place, and gave us like one of the coolest backdrops for the videos ever, and that made, I mean, location is such a plays such a big role when you're trying to tell cool, creative outdoor stories and the place he's got just down the road from here is just incredible. And, you know, thank him again for letting us use that. But I think that was a big thing too. And then, like you said, the friendships that came out of it, like, you know, you said you're already on a group text with everybody that's in your group and y'all have been texting every day since everybody left, Mm -hmm. you know, and then having Jason here, who's just like the like best human ever cooking and hanging out. Like he said, his wife's um, was following along on social media and she's like, um, I'm coming to that class next year. 
So his wife says she's coming to the class next year. So, so guarantee Jason's coming back to cook again. <laughs> <laughs> On a positive note, but yeah, um, I think also too, um, your class had a had a little bit of even a different um, experience as far as like you said, location matters, but um, also understanding how to work with talent. Oh yeah, that was a big one with mine. So, you know, my class had a. a an idea for a for essentially what we did for the advanced classes and we made sure you know we gave them parameters of video they needed to create but they had to have interviews or infill dialogue like we wanted them to have to produce some talking um, that way we could help them through it and my class decided to do one where all the all the spoken word was in the field infield dialogue and, and that's tough it's tough to scripted infield dialogue scripted infield dialogue which is really tough and then um, then having a talent that you have to try and guide and get out of what you want. And then sometimes the talent isn't an actor or actress um, and trying to be able to mold and um, get them to deliver in the tone and then the pace that you want. Um, and, and, you know, same thing, you know, the story of what they originally wanted to do didn't necessarily fall apart, but it wasn't hitting the notes that they were wanting it to hit, I guess. And, um, you know, me being there trying to say, okay, how do we salvage either the story or the video and what are some creative ways that we can shoot video to be able to either hide some things or to enhance some things or to speed things up, slow things down. And, uh, you know, gave them a couple ideas of how to do those things in the field with fast B-roll, you know, how to use the song to your advantage to be able to blow through something that might not be the best or to slow things down when you want people to focus and really pacing a video like that on which now that I think of it, I think my group's the only one that didn't give me the finished video. I need to get that from them. Yeah. I was going to say, I haven't seen, I haven't even seen any of those videos. I haven't either. I need to get James. I'm going to text. I'm going to text James here in a second and tell him that he needs to send me that finished video. I meant to just do that. And then I had a client text me and got distracted. Or he's fired. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Y'all did. I want raw footage too. Should probably text RT the same thing. Yeah, yeah, probably should. Um, but yeah, I think that they did learn that, and and I think RT had shot with two people before. I don't think James ever had, so that was hard for them to be able to. It was harder James for not West last year. Uh, well, he did. He double he double shot with me for like a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we were out west. But like filming, nothing uh, produced. Filming. Like nothing to where like they both had their own roles. Um and James, like I think he did he, he did well, he adapted, and he's a hard worker. Um RT definitely stepped into the leadership role and kind of guided the whole shoot and I just kinda tried my best to stay back and then just kinda give my opinion or my thoughts on things um when they would ask questions or not be unsure of something. But uh it was really cool to see RT take and take ownership in it and really try and stay with the plan. And then James was really good at listening, following along with the plan. Um, yeah, it was, it was cool. I, I don't, I, again, I don't think the video turned out like they had it in their heads, which how many times has that happened? Like well, almost every time. time. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if a video ever turns out the way that I have in my head, I'll be very surprised. Yeah, no doubt. But um, I don't know, man. I thought overall it was a really fun class. Like I saw so many times just going over something that we take for granted. And then like uh, several times Forrest and Randy and, you know, 
DJ, like we would go through something and they would like, holy the, crap. The light bulb goes off. DJ, dude, like that dude was locked in. He sat in there on the couch and I came in there three or four times and checked on him. I'm like, hey, dude, you okay? He's like, I'm good. <laughs> we would look away. <laughs> like he was locked in and then he texts uh, text Keegan the next day or that day and he's like, I don't know what y'all did, but y'all lit a fire under me. And like he's been shooting video every day since. Oh, and he it, sends me video clips every single day. Yeah. He, he sent me video clips last night. He was editing at like nine. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's so cool to see somebody that that they think they have a passion for it, and then they start to see some puzzle pieces and how they go together, and they're like, oh, I can 100% do this. Well, that's kind of what happened to all of us, too. Yeah, well, yeah, 100%. I came out the womb producing. <laughs> yeah, producing bull crap. <laughs> and bald. Yeah, certainly not producing hair follicles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it was there's there was a couple times I saw that with Forrest too. Like like he sat in my office and just talked about ideas and theories and plans and marketing strategies and video ideas till twelve, one o'clock in the morning every night, which is I mean, that's what I enjoy doing. That's the things I enjoy talking about. And we talk about it every day and we take it for granted. But then having somebody else like be a part of those conversations and then have a different perspective. Because we kind of all know like what our interests are and what we like and things like that. And it kind of, we kind of get in an echo chamber sometimes. Um, I try and challenge myself to be out of that as much as I can. But it's really cool to have another perspective, somebody that's interested in it and just seeing how passionate him and DJ were about, you know, the idea. And I, it was so, like DJ's thing about like when they shot it all, and he shot it, and he shot it really well. And then to see him go through and put a finished product together and understand cuts and changes and pacing and, like, he's like, okay, this makes sense now. Now I build upon this foundation, and then I create another foundation. I build upon this foundation, build upon this one. You know, and it's it's just really, really cool to see. And then Randy, she just always say, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I've never done this before. I'm like, yes, you do. Like, you know, just kind of break her down the basics, and she has an eye for it too. Great photographer, Bill. You know, I did get to spend a ton of time with Bill. He's got a great personality. Um, fun to hang around. Awesome photographer. Straight up Yankee accent, which is very, very funny to well, me. he's from Rhode Island. I know. He can't of, help it. And he doesn't even have a super thick Rhode Island accent. I know. But he, he just, he you could just tell he, he was. Made the uh made the mistake of bringing me in to look at their edit and <laughs> ask for ideas at a very late hour. Yeah, right. Clay made sure to point that out. I yeah. made, to anybody I'm, that ever I'm, wants to so, come to the class, don't yeah, talk to Ryer about my, ideas. My group wanted me to take their footage and just see my process of uploading or importing it and just bringing it in the timeline and grabbing selects and throwing it in. And, like, audio was not done. There was no color. There was some shaky footage. And Ryer's like, oh, let me see it. I want to watch it. So I think he just wants to watch it, see how they shot I come in to use the bathroom while we're eating, and he's in there. Oh, I'm just doing some minor things to it. I want to see if you notice. I command. I did. I did. I command Z like 15 times because I didn't want to. You are a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) I just, there was some small things, and I was just going to fix them real quick because I was sitting there. Um, I think that's what people learn from the class the most is not the really big ideas or things that can help them improve, but it's a small thing. It's like, yeah, your framing's great. Take a step backwards and put that leaf in the foreground. Mm-hmm. Or I love the song and I love the pacing, but move everything over five frames so it, everything hits on that beat. Mm-hmm. Or 
I did that for DJ. He's like, oh, that's what you mean by lining yeah. up the kit cuts on the beats. And well, like, and yep. see, and we talk about that all the time, but they never understood or knew that when you look at the audio waveform, mm -hmm. you can physically well, see the And he the was like four beat. or five frames off every time. Like He was right there, but he couldn't figure out why it didn't have that punch. Right. And I'm like, look, line that playhead up with that beat, drag it to the playhead. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. And it's, I, also I, think think it's, I think it's those four or five small things that, like, put everything together for especially my group the intermediates mm -hmm. that really like like clicked it off for everybody. Randy did that video that she did that long it was like five or so minutes of Jason talking and then I'm just like okay and I showed her how to like trim out ums and ahs and gaps and repeats and I'm like this is what we call trimming the fat I was like okay so here's what I want to show you I'm like it'll take you a while to do this this is five minutes let me jump in and trim all this fat for you and I'm going to show you what happens and it went from like five minutes to like 320 just from taking out ums and ahs, you know, fumbles and, you know, repeats. And I was like, okay, you took a five-minute video. Now you've cut it down to three minutes. That's how much less B-roll you need now. Now how much faster we could speed it up. We have gaps in here where we can speed the pace up. We can slow it down, make people listen. We can bring the music back up. And that is like, I was like, just simple, like, trimming that fat is so important. And then she was like, I never would have thought to do that. I'm like, all the ums and ahs. And I was like, and if you shot this with two cameras – can make Jason look like a rock star. But now you have B-roll, you can still make him look like a rock star. So, And that, for me, is the difference, like, going through the editing class. Like, you learn a ton in the editing class, but actually being able to sit down and play with your footage and mm -hmm. how, like, they did it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's almost to the point where I wonder if for future editing classes, you should have people shoot a bunch of stuff yeah. on their own. Oh, I think so, too. And then come well, in you and said, cut it apart. Well, you said that Justin and Bill came back and they realized like how, how much stuff they didn't shoot that they needed. Well, no, they were, I was like, well, did you guys feel like you shot enough? And Justin was like, and I kind of set them up on purpose, but <laughs> they were like, yeah, we've got like 150 clips between the two of us. And I could have said, well, do you have all the shots you need? Cause we got back and I was like, okay, you got 150 shots and they would get back and you could see in your, cause I do the thumbnail view of all the clips. Mm -hmm. Like you could see where there'd be four or five clips in a row that were literally the same angle like medium or tight. They had wide, medium tights, but they'd have 150 clips, but six of them would be this angle tight. The other six would be another angle tight Where versus having one or two of each and then moving on. They tried to get everything four or five times, mm -hmm. and then that was taking so long or they got so caught up in that they forgot to switch angles or get something in a sequence or yeah. something. I think the other thing that I noticed with um, a lot of people that I think is indicative of, of um, whether or not you are the type of person who will succeed doing this is um, the knowledge of whether or not a piece that you're making is hitting and the desire to figure out why it isn't and to fix it. Um, like I, I, I think with, um, with Bill and Justin especially, um, they had cut a full video and they were like, it just doesn't have the punch that I want. Like it, it isn't feeling like how I want it to feel. It isn't as good as I want it to be. Like I feel like it can be better, uh, but I'm not really sure how. And so they were just kind of trying stuff. Um, and they they then came up with an idea, and they tried it, and they're like, "Oh, there it is. There's that. There there it is. Now it's working." Um, and I think that throughout my personal journey as a creative that's what's driven a lot of the learning is making something going mm, i don't like it right now 
I don't know why I don't like it, but I don't like it right now. Let's ha- let me figure out wh- how I can make myself like this. Like, yeah. What can I do to make to make this better so that I like it? Like internal problem solving. Almost. Yeah. And then and then taking that and going, okay, yeah, let's let's try this. Let's try do this. Let's do this. Um, and being open to like sending it or bringing me in and being like, hey, look at this. What do you think? Like, we don't like it right now. What do you think that it's missing? You know, and trying to involve other people with different perspectives in the process. Right. Um, and I think that's that's really critical to to really being able to, to learn. I think that's what drives the learning process more than anything. And I think that what makes somebody successful doing this is their desire and ability to learn. Because, like we've said... Um, the information is out there. There's no information that we have that you wouldn't be able to find anywhere on the internet. You know, besides maybe some some really niche, specific filming hunts knowledge. But we are on the internet putting that information out there for you. Mm-hmm. So there's no information that we've found that you can't go look for and that you can't go find and you can't integrate into your work. Um, and I think that we're always constantly trying to figure out how to better ourselves as creatives. And I think that is what really separates somebody um, who is good and who is really good from somebody who's just passable is the, the people who just make passable content go, huh, it's good enough. Yeah. Right. The people who are making great content and good content, um, no matter how good a piece is, will go, I could have done this better. I could have done this different. Next time I'll do this. Or they'll get three quarters of the way through something and go, I don't like it. I need to figure out how I can make this better. Well, and I think that's And they're driven to do that. And they put in the work and the effort to do that. I think that's something that, like, Forrest and Randy came up to me and they're like, you know, we don't have 4K on our cameras or whatever it is. I'm like, okay, we did three seasons of TV without shooting 4K. I didn't shoot 4K as a... As a constant, um, as a constant size until literally last season. Well, that's what I told him. I was like, "We're shooting 4K because that's what Lee and Tiff want, not because we chose that." And it helps that our cameras are uncompressed. That when we get it on our computer, we can edit it, and it yeah. doesn't destroy our stuff. But I said, other than some very few specific things that we have the luxury of having because we need them and can afford them, being a production company and projects with some bigger budgets there's nothing you don't have that we don't have you've got a camera that shoots 1080 hd and it shoots some type of high speed whether that's 60 or 120 and you've got a microphone and a tripod other than that like other than like a mechanical slider and a gimbal i mean you don't other than you know some of the bigger budget stuff you don't have anything we don't have well, everything is a tool, and you can use it or not use it. Right. It all just depends on what you need it for. Yeah, I made everyone in my group t- take their cameras off of 4K and put it in 1080. One, because when we were breaking down the footage and the edit, I demonstrated what 4K allowed me to do, like mm-hmm. make cuts that didn't look like jump cuts because they went from 50% to 75 or 100 or whatever. And I didn't want them thinking that, oh, I'm in 4K, I'll just do it later. Like I actually wanted them to have to zoom in and things like that. And I said... Everyone's on a mirrorless. Most of the time, that mirrorless 4K is a pain to edit. So I want you guys in 1080. That way, when we get it back and you're on your computers, you can actually edit it and get something done and not have your computer overheat and fly away. So I almost forced them to have to use 1080 yeah. so they could zoom in and stuff. So Well, and really, I mean, how much stuff is actually being delivered in 4K? 
nothing. Anything yeah. that they're going to make doesn't need to be in 4K. And that's something that, you know, you watch a YouTube video and they're like, oh, you got to shoot in 4K or 6K or 8K. Uh, nobody is using that. Well, all those videos on YouTube that have the little 4K symbol next to them, they're still getting highly, highly compressed by YouTube in order to post them and run them. So at that point, forget it. Forget about it. So. Caleb? Sorry, I'm running all something. Mm. I got to go anyway. Yeah. My wife is not answering me, so I'm going to have to leave. So y'all are going to have to. Uh, I think we've covered everything. Yeah, I think so. I think we have. Any final thoughts? Thank you for coming, folks. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, we, we're going to get dates out for next year's as soon as possible. It'll probably be around about the same time. Um, first weekend-ish of August, end of July sometime. So just mark off the last three weeks of summer and just go ahead and you know, just, just come. Quit being a loser. Because um, if you don't come to the class, you're a loser. I'm just going to say it. Devin. 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 Devon. Devin. Devon. Devin. Devin. Nobody else got anything? Devin. No. Peace. Peace. Devin.